Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. The season of Lent in many Eastern churches, such as my own, is called the Bright Sadness. And what a relevant and appropriate term that is for us today in our day and age. You know what has amazed me? I don't know if you've noticed it. And I point this out to my parishioners every Sunday because there's always something to point out. To me, it's as though God has engineered, not, not necessarily willed or caused the pandemic, but he's, again, he engineers everything. In other words, he's the God of everything. So it's like he's engineered the timing of this pandemic and the nature and the fallout from it with the readings from Scripture on a liturgical calendar and our liturgical feast days. It's just incredible how the themes line up, how relevant they are. And here we are again with what's going on in the world from the pandemic to the politics and so on. When is it happening? It's happening now as we're going to enter into this time of darkness. The time of repentance, time of Lent, is a time of darkness, but at the same time, and here comes that both-and spirituality that is so much the hallmark of real spirituality, and especially, at least I consider it to be, the singular genius of the Eastern Christian spirituality, living in the both-and, where something can be this and that at the same time. Lent can be dark and bright at the same time, not either or, not we're going to be dark, then we're going to be bright. It's we're being bright because of the darkness. I know that's sometimes confusing, but we're in a time now of darkness in the world in many ways, from the pandemic to politics to immorality. Let's face it, everybody knows that. Well, anybody of good faith and will, the people who are of the darkness or of this world may not realize it. They may actually like it if they're really evil. You know that, that comes right from the scripture. But most people know that there is something really wrong in our day and age. And yet, Amidst that, we get to shine brighter because facing that darkness is something that moves us in the only direction that we can move, to our interior selves, like we had in the prodigal son last Sunday, to our real selves and to Christ, the God within us. Because one of the reasons things are so dark is because 
there is no human solutions. And let's face it, let's be honest, we've invested a lot in human solutions. That's what we do during the election. And that's why we get real disappointed or, conversely, real joyful if our guy gets in because we put so much in human solutions to our problems into a human person. And we see that it doesn't work. You cannot do that. We have to rely on God. Yes, the human structures, the human persons have to do their job. But we are definitely not in control, and there are so many things that seem to be so beyond us. We still can't get a real handle on this pandemic. Oh, we've got the vaccines. We've got a lot of improvement. Yes, we have, and it's amazing what we've done within a year's time worldwide to try to cope with this and heal it and help people. Yes, we have. But then, what are we hearing? Oh, there's new strains. We don't know what they're going to do. And we haven't been able to cure it. So it's beyond all human structures. At least it remains beyond all human structures. And so we have to rely on God to help us be the light in the darkness. And so in that sense, the darkness is actually a form or is facilitating a brightness in us. Because whenever we withdraw to our inner selves, our true selves, and to God and the God that lives and speaks within our heart and soul, we become brighter. And it takes that kind of retreat sometimes. And sometimes it takes the darkness for us to retreat into that only place where the light is, our true selves, the place where our truest self meets our Lord, who is the true light and life, the light, the truth, the life. And this is what the season of Lent does particularly in Eastern churches. That's why we call it the bright sadness. We believe that by coming to grips with the reality of darkness, the darkness within our souls, within ourselves, as well as the world, by coming to grips with that, repenting of that, seeing where we really need to improve. In other words, a darkness actually, in a sense, sheds light. It gives us an insight into ourselves. We come to grips and we face our own sinfulness, our own dependency and codependencies. This is what happens whenever we pull back from the foods, such as today. Today is Mardi Gras, so to speak, in the Eastern churches. It is what we call meat fair. It's the last time we'll eat meat as we move into Lent. Next Sunday is the last time we'll eat dairy products like cheese and so on. And that's how we gradually move into the Lenten rigors of fasting from meat and dairy products. In other words, all the fatty, celebrative-type foods, the succulent, wonderful foods that are often used for times of celebration. You know, rich, fatty foods are fun. They're for fun times. Oh, we'll see them again on Pascha, Easter Sunday, when we load them into our baskets and bring them to the church to be blessed. And oh boy, oh boy, it's like they came down from heaven. It's incredible. And the reason why they taste so good on Pascha, Easter, is because we've been fasting from them, so we have a renewed appreciation of them. That's the whole point. We have to go into the darkness of fasting, the darkness of facing our own repentance, to be enlightened about the value of things. We fast from foods so that we can step back and reappreciate them, return back to them in a more measured way, a more sacramental way, or to choose not to return to them at all. But The point is, we are in control. Our desires, addictions, and so on, we we don't let them rule us anymore. And a lot of times we don't realize how much they do until we back away from them. And so we seek to become brighter, holier, but that comes through darkness. 
You might recall some of the Western mystics like St. Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross. They spoke of the dark night of the soul. Mother Teresa in our modern times had that. I don't know if she called it that exactly, but she had that darkness. And when that came out towards the end of her life and after she died, a lot of the secular world didn't understand that. They thought, oh, see, they jumped on that. Like, oh, see, she really didn't believe in God. She doubted God. No, she was called the, the dark night of the soul, which happens to people who actually are very holy. What well, can happen to any of us, but it happens in a profound way to people who are very holy. That's why John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila came up with this observation that all seems dark, but in that darkness is when we become the most reliant on God, which in turn makes us bright. After all, they're called Saint Teresa of Avila, Saint John of the Cross, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Dark nights that really were their brightness all at the same time. In our day and age, we're Feeling and sensing a lot of darkness, a lot of disappointment, a lot of despair. It's kind of like the D words. I call it the D words coming from the devil. Devil, D. Disappointment, D. Discouragement, D word. Despair, D word. Bad word. They're all bad words. We don't want to go there. We don't want to descend into the D zone. But sometimes we do. And many people are in that D zone somewhere in there. Disappointment, discouragement, even despair. Because of what's happened in the world. What's happened in the election, many people disappointed and so on. And some of them even are angry at God. They say to me, we prayed so hard that things would be different in the election. And they were not. And we feel this is a battle of good and evil. We feel that the bad guys took over. I'm just simply telling you what people say to me. I'm not taking a side or making a political statement. We're applying our spirituality to what we live That makes it relevant. And there's nothing more relevant right now than the bright sadness of Lent. So people tell me they prayed and prayed. It didn't go their way or how they thought it should be. So they think that evil won. They think the bad guys won. And many are angry at God. And they want to know why, if they prayed, why God didn't answer. They prayed for a good thing. Doesn't God want good things? We pray that God's will, God's way would prevail, at least in so much as they saw it as God's way. But it seemed to not. And so they don't understand. When we come back, we're going to talk more about how to respond to this kind of D-zone, especially when it comes to prayer and not understanding God and how he seems to not answer prayer sometimes. And also how the rigors of Lent can help us go through this darkness so as to be people of brightness. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright.
We'd like to give a shout out to a longtime and valued member of the EWTN radio family. Our congratulations to Sacred Heart Radio, now celebrating 20 years of solid Catholic radio. A special thanks to Ron Belter and his team at Sacred Heart Radio, beginning with one station in Seattle. Now they're heard on 10 AM and FM stations in Washington State and Alaska. Again, congratulations to Sacred Heart Radio for 20 years of great Catholic radio. And thanks for bringing EWTN Radio to their many listeners. This is Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione of the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and you are listening to Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. Are you in the D zone, darkness, also the zone of the devil, D devil, disappointment, discouragement, and then despair? Sort of, it kind of descends. And what is the answer? Well, first of all, we look at prayer. And that's one of the things that we retreat into more deeply during the season of Lent. Oh, we do a lot of deep prayer, a lot of penitential prayer, but deep prayer. And in that penitential process, we become brighter because, again, we go back to our true selves, closer to God. And it takes the darkness for us to do it. So how do we respond to the disappointment, discouragement, and hopefully not, but it does happen, despair, where it seems as though God has not answered our prayers? When we pray, we have a tendency, and we don't even realize this sometimes, we have a tendency to not only bring our petitions to God, but we also tell God how he's supposed to answer it. We kind of give him the whole script. We have expectations. That's part of our problem. We have expectations from God, especially if we prayed real hard for a really good cause, is what many people are saying today or are disappointed with the election. I prayed for something good, and God didn't answer. I prayed and prayed and prayed. So many prayers on my knees, Jesus prayer, rosary, whatever. They prayed and prayed and fasted too. Many of them. Well, whenever we pray, we have to present our petitions to God. We should, with sincerity. But that's it. We can't expect God to respond how and when we would like. And you may not think you're doing that consciously, but the proof of it is, is whenever we feel that God didn't answer my prayers. There's the proof. 
because it's not just answering, but we have an idea in our mind of how we want it answered. We do have some specifics, let's face it. Otherwise, we wouldn't say he didn't answer. So we want not just a generic answer, we want a specific answer in a specific time and in a specific way, as we imagine it, as we expect it. Sometimes that happens with God, but many times it does not. You know, God is not a vending machine. We don't put in our money, pull the lever, then get what we want. And if we don't get what we want from the machine, we get mad at it and kick it. God's not a vending machine. God is God. God hears our cry, but he responds however he wants. He responds in his time, in his way. And he responds to what we're really praying for. And he responds in a way that is oftentimes, maybe even most of the time, better than what we had in mind. Now, sometimes it matches up. Sometimes what we had in mind, the specifics, is how God will answer. But not always. In fact, usually not. Let me give you an example to be very specific. Many people who voted for President Trump to have another term in office are very, very disappointed. These are the ones that are most disappointed right now. That's why I'm using that as an example. But if we step back, let's try to understand or even kind of presume, and God forgive us for doing it, but we're going to try it. We're going to presume how God's divine mind might work in hearing the prayer. Please, God, let Trump come back into office. Okay, what were we really praying for? What was a Trump supporter really praying for? And again, I'm just using this as an example. I'm using this as an example. This is not a political statement. It's an example of our lived experience and applying spirituality to it. In this case, the Lenten spirituality. What is a person who voted for Trump really for? Was he for Trump the person? Well, maybe some to some degree. Some people admired him or could give him a pass on things or whatever. But many people voted for Trump, didn't like the way he was, didn't like his mannerism, his style, and so like that. Just like people who were against Trump didn't like it. So what were they really voting for? They were voting for what they believed was behind him. They voted for what they thought he was supporting, promoting, preserving. And that was... The best of American values, you know, traditional family, freedom, being able to have freedom of speech, the First Amendment and so on, all the good amendments in the Constitution of basically of what they believe was the order of things, how things work, how society works, according to the Judeo-Christian spirituality upon which our society basically was founded. They wanted what was good. They weren't voting for the man. They wanted what was good. Well, naturally, God wants what is good as well. So it still remains to be seen how God might answer the real prayer. So the real prayer was not for Trump. It wasn't just about a person. It was about what was connected with him in terms of values. Now, again, stay away from him personally to understand what I'm saying. We're talking about values, principles that people believed he was promoting or preserving or stood for in whatever way, in his own Trumpian way. That is what we look for to see how God might answer that. In other words, that's like our real prayer. And so God will answer that in his own way. And it could be, it could actually be, he will answer it by way of having Trump not as president, having the other side in office right now. As much as many may not understand that or like it, God may be willing that or allowing that. Certainly, he will work through that. He'll work through everything as he's doing with the coronavirus, shining a big spotlight on the world. 
this is what we have to remain open to. This is why we pray in the liturgy for the spirit of vigilance. How is God answering our prayer? How is he answering what we really are praying for? See, a lot of times we don't know what we're praying for. We know, we sense it, but we don't intellectually know it. God knows it. You see, when we pray, it's our soul praying. It's the spirit within us praying, especially if it's true prayer. That's what God knows. We don't even always know that. We think we do, but we don't really. And so we have to be open to how God is answering our real prayer. It's almost like he'll reveal to us what we're really praying for. And that's why when he answers our prayers, and it's not on our terms as we want it to be, it's because he's answering the real prayer, the real thing. Does he say no sometimes? Yeah, I suppose. But I tend to think that God says yes to our prayers. But we think it's no because it's not the way we wanted it answered. Now, all this understanding of prayer, purifying our prayer, is part of what we're doing during Lent. And that's why we pull away. As I mentioned, we pull away like the prodigal son to come back to ourselves, to develop our interior life, and to see things more clearly. We do it by backing away from food and also a lot of other things. Back away. I would, I would advise that during Lent, you know, as we give up things, we do that not just as some kind of spiritual exercise or gymnastics. We do it so as to purify our vision, to renew ourselves. I recommend that we pull back from a lot of the concern, discussion, looking at things in the news or for your phone and internet, online, etc., social media. Pull back from a lot of that. We act like we're so dependent upon that. We always want to be on top of things and fight about it and see what's happening, get mad because it's not going our way, or this person's saying that, and they're wrong, and i got to prove them wrong. There's so much of that going on, and what does it get us? We're doing a lot of wheel spinning. Pull back from that for Lent. Just turn it off. You'll be aware of what you really need to be aware about, but you don't need all this other stuff. We think we do, and these, these other things make us think we need them, but we don't. Not as much as we think we do. So we're pulling back from foods and we're pulling back from certain things in our lives that we don't need. In other words, we're pulling back from what is not really essential. A lot of excess baggage is in our lives that we, we basically become, in a sense, dependent upon or even addicted to. And that's what Len is trying to get us to do, to pull back from all that physically, spiritually, psychologically. And we're given examples to encourage us. For example, this week, not only is it the week of meat fair, which is also the Sunday of the last judgment, it's a reminder, as the great Eastern saints would say, you want to go to heaven, you want to be holy? Think about your death and judgment for a few minutes every day. That should do it. So we have judgment day, another reminder of judgment day, but we also have the example to encourage us of the ascetics. This coming Saturday, we call it the Saturday of the Holy Ascetics. In other words, we acknowledge all those who went before us who basically chose to live their entire life or the rest of their life, whenever they join monasticism, to live the rest of their lives as though it were Lent every day for the rest of their life, and a very strict Lent too. The fasting, the rigors that many of these great ascetics, and by that I mean the great monks, nuns that went off into the desert, the, the amount of rigors that they went through, it, to us, would be like unimaginable. Many of them slept very little, stayed up take, taking vigil, praying. They knew the scriptures by heart. They could pray the Psalms, all 150 of them, by heart. They ate little, or they ate just like 
beans or bread or something. Or they were basically vegans for the most part. Some of them lived on a, on a pillar. They were called stylites. Rigorous, open to the spirit, but they're the ones that became holy. They're the ones that changed the world and left us the legacy of the faith that we know today, the scripture, the theology, the writings, the wisdom. They did it by living Lent every moment of their life. If they became holy that way, so can we. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Radio is it's training for the troops. It's a interaural of the ear boot camp. The folks who listen, who grow in their faith, grow in charity, grow in all the virtues, they then go out and exert an influence far beyond just themselves. Catholic Radio has an exponential effect for bringing people deeper into the faith. Dr. Ray Garendi thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!